Hey, it's Steve here. Wait, I've got something to tell you. As you know, this is the What Is Music podcast, and we believe music is everything, even if we don't know quite what it is yet. That's the whole point of the whole thing. But what we do know is that music can influence your emotional and physical well-being. Solfeggio and binaural beats create frequencies that have been found to help heal your body and alter your mood. Guided meditation can centre and calm your mind and soothe your soul. Melody Clouds brings you a massive collection of audiobooks and music files that include 17,000 classic novels and hand-picked authors narrated by professional voice actors. Get access to exclusive content on children's stories and classic Aesop's fables. Melody Clouds is translated into 140 languages and in more than 200 countries has a library that continues to expand monthly. Sign up now for a 60-day trial for just $2.99, then keep the music flowing for $5.99 a month. Their yearly membership is now $59.99 for a limited time. Join thousands of subscribers who have found the benefits of these frequencies. MelodyClouds.com. Download the iOS or Android apps for a limited time for free. Okay, everyone, on with the show. Have we ever had an episode that starts with awkward silence? Nah, let's just do one. Yeah, should we? Just have us all sit there and just kind of like sniff and like wrinkle our paper, rustle our papers yeah. and stuff. Just... And then you just interrupt it with, hello and welcome. Yeah, the sound of me like moving the microphone. Or... Mm. <clears throat> so um... sit a bit of tea. That's so hot. That burn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello. Welcome to What Is Music, a music podcast about music we're a podcast that focuses on discographies in their entirety doing deep dives on one artist at a time you join us in season four which is called is it rad in your head a critical analysis of the history cultural impact and music of radiohead we're going through their entire career album by album track by track asking questions like does context matter when you're listening to music does knowing the history of an artist affect your appreciation of their output and this season we're of course asking is it rad in your head? Just to be clear, we're asking, is it rad in your head in regards to the band Radiohead? Not is it rad in your head in regards to this, the fourth season of our podcast, which is called Is It Rad in Your Head, which is now in your head. I'm Adam Scott Glasspool. I can always come up with three things, and I love the artistry, the emotion, and also the context that surrounds music. With me, as always, is someone who has said they don't care about art or talking about art, doesn't often relate personally to music, and can come up with, like, one thing at most. It's Lucas Way. I can come up with two things. Doubt it. In the Johnny. middle of that, we have someone who can appreciate Greenwood. context, art, and subject matter. It's just learning how to convey that in the form of words and can sometimes come up with two things. Johnny Greenwood. Steve Murphy. Hello. Hi. Hi. Welcome back for another week of the podcast, focusing Thank you. at the moment on Radiohead. How are you? Have you Is noticed- this going to take a week? <laughs> it might do. Have you, uh, have you noticed that I'm doing it a little bit more oh, a bit refined more. um yeah mm. because this is very much the radio three episode oh, of the okay well <laughs> just podcast, ask me how i am doing how are you i'm doing okay thanks adam how are you doing on this um this fine day yeah it's actually pissing it down with rain so it's not, not really a fine day if you okay ask me. ask me again ask me again yeah. ask me i'll be okay. what am i asking you how am i doing how how i don't know how are you doing yeah right okay great lucas how are you we've got to do it radio three though so ask me like radio three how are you 
Yeah, we got it. Okay, good. Yeah, okay. Wow. It's going to be some people on Reddit who hate that. Uh, we're going you mean through. Yeah, yeah, I do. We're going through the entire discography of classical composers Radiohead, and you join us towards the end of this season, having wrapped up their discography, as we take a brief little excursion into the contemporary classical and film score work of guitarist Johnny Greenwood, in order to get a little closer to answering the question, what music? Yeah. What is it? Oh, it good. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> soundtracks to various films yeah sure um, it's frequent collaborations with directors yeah in it fucking frequent as well yeah uh this episode a little bit different it's a little bit different we lbd we've already <laughs> we've already, <laughs> we've already caught up on everything but for the last 20 or so years, Johnny Greenwood, the guitarist of Radiohead, has been carving out a space as a very influential figure in both contemporary classical music and in film scores. And we've touched on bits and pieces along the way. I've played you a bit of Smear, his first concert work. I've played Doghouse. I've played something from his score for Norwegian Wood because it was a variation on the Radiohead song Present Tense. And of course, we've enjoyed pulling out just his string work on songs like How to Disappear Completely or Climbing Up the Walls. And we've all very much enjoyed how he uses strings in general, especially on a moon-shaped pool and in rainbows, I think. The way he uses strings in Radiohead is, of course, different to long-form concert work and film score. Yeah. So first, let's set a floor. Do you guys listen to much classical music? No, this was a very hard episode to do notes on because I had to approach this very differently. Mm. It's more talking about mood and texture rather than, I like that riff. That I, but, good. But also, yeah, I do like, like the riff, riff, though. Yeah. That can lyric, like a riff. Yeah. I like that lyric where he says that. None of that. <laughs> well, there are some lyrics, in a way. In but, a way. Yeah, so this is a, it's, it's going to be an interesting one. Lucas, uh, listen, you, listen listen, to you listen to loads of film scores, which loads I, film scores, I suppose is uh, classical as a style or method rather than yeah. a time period, isn't it? Yeah. But there are, I will also then listen to just like classical playlist, you know, of just like good classical standards, classical music. Without uh, preempting what kind of music Johnny Greenwood composes, this is maybe a little bit more challenging than Not the that yep. similar. <laughs> okay, cool. Some of them are, and and certainly what I've heard from like the concert he did and stuff, the one you mentioned a minute ago, is a bit more my vibe. Mm. I'd be curious to hear more of his, like you say, his just classic, his modern classical music that isn't necessarily film score. Well, we've got some of that in the playlist. I know we've got some of it, but I'd like more to hear more of it because a lot of the film scores, not to blow my load early. Yeah, sorry. It's crude. It was Radio 3 episode. Yeah, Radio 3 episode, oh, yes. guys. Come on. Not to spaff my load early. Yep, yep. Good. Thank you. That's much better. Um, but I think a lot of the tracks are very uh, atmospheric for a particular tone. And I'm sure they are very suitable in the context of watching the film. Mm-hmm. But don't necessarily make for a great sitting down and listening to some music experience. So I, I have to say that his concert work is more challenging than his score work. 
fucking hell. But then, but then I'm just thinking about when you showed me the uh, orchestral version of one of the Radiohead songs that came before they did the song. Arpeggi. Arpeggi. Yeah. I didn't hear orchestral fucking, anywhere on that song. It was fucking, it was fucking incredible. It was amazing. All the hits. <laughs> so that was like, that was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is a a five-minute piece, you know, that he kind of worked up for that. Like, we, we've got classical stuff on here. Popcorn Super Hit Receiver is one that we're doing today. Yes, and exactly. That is... More My Speed! Is it? Yes. Bloody whereas, hell. Okay. Whereas, whereas some of the other ones are very just like some sinister sounds for a film that are... Sin- I mean, I looked up, I know, I looked up every film alongside the, sure. the thing. Most of them, one of the genres was psychological thriller. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Psychological yeah. drama. Yeah, yeah. psychological drama. So, so there's a theme there. One of the there. genres was Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. Yep. And so he's, he's obviously pulled in when, he, when there's a t- particular sound called John. He's yep. going to give you some psychological thriller. And a lot of that makes for screeches and scroaches and not exactly like nice sitting down and listening to nice soft gentle lovely classical music or beautiful music and it's also not the other type of classical music that obviously you know i listen to a lot of which is the big the sure. big film soundtracks yeah. your bombast your bigger dramatic stuff yeah so yes definitely found this reasonably challenging there are ones on there that i love some of them have made the playlist the, my the film fabled, scores playlist the fabled. the fabled film scores playlist and then many of them haven't. I was going to say, like, but the, the the concept work, popcorn, superhead receiver. I think is one of the more challenging things on the playlist that we're going to kind of jaunt I mean, through. It's long. I mean, it's not even that long. It, that that's a, a cut from uh, a, a longer twenty minute piece. Uh, but we'll we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Um, Get to it. But that's, that's... There's a word I'm going to keep using. I'm yeah. going to keep using one word. Classical. Johnny Greenwood. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh no. S- sinister. Yeah, there is yeah. a lot of sinister. There's a, Loads of sinister. I think there's also a lot of beauty here though, oh, as well. Oh, there's plenty. There's plenty. Like, but not all of it, you know. You know, the stuff like Alma uh, is... Uh, look, anyway, we'll get into it. Um, we'll also, get to it. it's it's a Johnny Greenwood episode, so you better believe there's going to be some business. Um, <laughs> Beth, there's an instrument. There's music. an instrument that's a table. <laughs> what? Yeah. Wait, what? Is yeah, it's a table. Is there? Yeah, basically. What, is this the harpsichord? No, I can't remember. I wrote it down. We'll get to All it. All right. Very briefly, for you guys, for listeners, for me. <laughs> Classical music refers mostly to Western art music, art music being defined as of high phonoesthetic value using <laughs> advanced structural and theoretical considerations or a written music tradition. However, more often than not, is used synonymously with orchestra in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, what you just said then, though, translates to music for clever people and not for idiots. No, not for no, no. not for low stupid no. people. Think no, because plenty of idiots like me like classical music in the form of the Dark Knight soundtrack. Yeah, but this is this is what we talk <laughs> oh, about when we talk about like, do I like something versus it being good? Classical music is more often held up to the rigorous standards of whether or not something has quote high phono aesthetic value. 
You know what I mean? What is it adding to to the canon of classical music? But classical music has its own history and movements, just like any art form, from its early medieval stages around the year 500, through its Baroque classical and romantic movements uh, in the common practice period and into the late 19th century through modernism, impressionism, expressionism, neoclassicism. And then from 1950 onward, it's classed as contemporary, although postmodernism emerged in the 1960s as another primary form of the art. And I think that's kind of where we are going to sit. Would you count something like, uh, like modern pianists? Less classical, probably. Depends, really, doesn't it? It depends what they're doing. If they're doing, like, you know, fucking jazz covers of Adele, not really. I guess so. I'm thinking, I'm thinking your, your Ludovico, your Jacob Collier. Right, yeah, I would say so, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's contemporary. Uh, Jacob Collier verges on the postmodern, I would say. I'm seeing him live in uh, uh, not that long. Don't, not bothered. Not. Looks fucking great. It's basically like a TED Talk. <laughs> not bothered. Not bothered by it. Well, be bothered. I think you'd enjoy it, Adam. No, it's like all music theory. Not bothered. I'm not bothered about it. don't know why he brought it up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> radio 3, radio 3. Uh, classical music it, it, it originated as music for the early Christian church uh, who were wanting to find a style that was disassociated uh, from the music of ancient Greece and Rome so it's kind of unclear how much of western classical music is actually influenced by the preceding ancient music um, anyway if you fast forward 1,500 years, here we yes, are. Yes, um, <laughs> Oh, I thought you meant from now and I was going to have a flying car and a cool robot leg. Just one, though. Just one. Yeah. He yeah. hops everywhere. Um, yeah. By exploring Johnny Greenwood's orchestra work in Radiohead songs, we have also explored his influence and early experience of music. He was, of course, a gifted musician from a young age playing in orchestras like that were above his age range, being selected for his talent. But he also has quite an alternative taste. Did you remember the car thing? If I say that, is that enough? No, okay. I'm sorry. So The car thing? He had a limp- his family had a limited number of cassettes in the car, and he would want them played again and again and again. And when his parents couldn't bear to play them anymore, he would imagine the cassettes playing in his head and mix them in with the traffic sounds, the background noise of the car drone. And I think that's where he gets a lot of his taste from, is that kind of the experimental bleeding into the classical tapes they had, but also covers of Simon and Garth, Uncle Hits and stuff. And that basically just kind of explains Johnny Greenwood, I think, for me. Um, Yeah. One of his biggest influences uh, across all of his work, and we've talked about him endlessly, is Krzysztof Penderecki, a Polish composer famous for that kind of very brooding, dissonant style that we've seen Johnny emulate uh, across a lot of this season. Uh, And Johnny actually got to work with Penderecki in 2012, writing a work for strings called 48 Responses to Polymorphia, which it will not surprise you to learn was a piece written in response to Penderecki's composition, Polymorphia. Um, although maybe the the most famous Penderecki composition is probably Threnody for the Victims of Hiroshima uh, from 1960, a piece that kind of kick-started that postmodern movement that we mentioned. Would you like to hear a bit of Threnody for the Victims of Hiroshima? Yes, please.
Threnody for the victims of uh, Hiroshima there by Christoph Penderecki. If that doesn't sound like terror and suffering, I don't know what does. It also sounds like Johnny Greenwood. <laughs> like, wow. you can see the influence, right? There's yes. there's kind of like an ugly beauty or beautiful ugliness in it, which I think you can hear in a lot of Johnny's work too. Um, in it. How do you feel about covering this kind of music on the podcast? We haven't done it before. Yeah. It's a nice change of pace, for sure. It's just nice to talk about something different. I'm interested uh, to see if we have the vocabulary for it. I'm not convinced that we do. I don't think we do. do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, Absolutely I don't not. think we do. That's fine. <laughs> Maybe we don't. I might have words such as nice. Yeah. I might have words <laughs> such as not uh, nice strings. Yeah. I might have such words as album. You do, you do a you do a fucking control F on my document, mate. Strings comes up loads. Does it? <laughs> yeah, loads. I don't know why. <laughs> um, I, I I was thinking like, okay, maybe we don't have the vocabulary for this. Maybe we're going to be floundering around. Maybe we're going to be searching for words. Maybe we're going to get things wrong. But at the very least, listeners and ourselves, we're going to get to listen to some clips of some pretty beautiful music along the way, like and some not beautiful music. Yeah, we must. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, this is worth mentioning. Or I suppose here's something. Here's something. Um, yeah. A lot of this music is intended to accompany visual media. That's yeah. the thing with a lot of this. Yes. A lot yeah. of this, I can go, I can picture the scene or the vibe. Yeah. But just to sit and listen to, not strictly the sort of thing I would seek out when I'm seeking out classical music. I'd more seek out something a bit more sweeping. Yes. Quote, quote unquote, classical. Johnny Greenwood, yeah. typically not known for sweeping. In fact, in many interviews, he uses that word as an example of something he was trying to avoid. Nice. <laughs> the, uh, like I saw, I recently saw Swan Lake and the music was all lovely. And at one point I did actually wonder, I was like, I wonder if I would enjoy listening to this by itself or if it's because it goes with a visual thing. Apart from the one we all know from Sw- that one we all know from yeah. Swan Lake. And we I all was know like, it. I wonder if any of this would... We all know it. Would, we all know would, it. would you know? Sort we don't of, even need to say it. We don't need to because it's all it's just I'm pretty sure it's... I'm pretty sure it's called. I think it's called Swan Lake. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, same. Yeah, <laughs> a reasonable chance that it's just called Swan Lake. <laughs> <laughs> but you maybe wouldn't want to experience it outside of the visual media it's attached to. Is that what you're saying? Yes, exactly. Like, uh, well, I know, but I think I probably would have enjoyed it. But I did just find myself wondering: Is this because what if so quite a lot of the classical music I do listen to are almost like they're tracks. They're four and a half minutes long. Right. And okay. they have sort of a beginning, middle and end. You know what I mean? Yeah. Quite a few of these ones are eight minutes of a, th- of a vibe. Yeah. And then it, and then it ends because the scene ends. Uh, there is not a single track on here that goes over five minutes except for the classical pieces. Okay, they feel it. Okay, in which case, <laughs> they feel eight minutes long. Okay, I was going to say, a lot of them are like 3.20, two and a half, four minutes. Well, Popcorn Superhead Victims of Hiroshima is eight minutes 42. Um, yeah, and that's one, like I said, that is one piece of a 20-minute classical concert work. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But okay, they, in which case, they, maybe they just feel longer then. But yeah, they're, sure. do you know what I mean? They're much more of a of a, a vibe piece because that's their purpose is to accompany something. Yes, and they're to accompany a scene which is one part of a much larger work as it is. But I'm going to make broad assumptions that each of you have maybe seen two of these films and no more. Maybe not the same ones as each other, but I reckon two apiece. Surprise me. Uh, I... No more than two. Okay. One. Uh, quite, on quite a few of the situations, quite a few of the tracks, I have thrown out a, a, a guess as to what the scene is. Okay, interesting. Based on the music. From this point onwards, by the way, we will not be talking about the films. 
at all. Oh, shut up. If you want to talk about the films, I'm going to spoil the films for you. <laughs> no, I'm not, <laughs> no, I'm not really. <laughs> I'm going to tell you plot, plot by plot uh, what goes on. Um, I mean, I think, I've, I think one of them got spoiled for me. Sure. Based on the song and the vibe of the song. Okay, and that's the interesting. Well, we'll and also the title. And also the title. Steve, uh, There Will Be Blood, I assume, is the one that you've yeah. seen. Uh, Lucas, yeah. I know you haven't seen There Will Be Blood. I imagine that you have seen uh, Inherent Vice. In fact, I know you've seen Inherent Vice. I've seen Inherent Vice. Um, and I think that the other one might be... If I had, you were never to guess, really there. No, he yeah. hasn't seen. Uh, he has seen the master. You've seen the master, I reckon. It's been on my list for a long time. Oh, okay. So have you just seen the one? Just uh, I've just vice? seen. I've just seen uh, uh, the the inherent vice. Okay, the inherent vice. Uh, I have seen all of the films, ex- uh, with one exception, which has been on my list for ages and ages and ages. But I haven't seen Spencer yet. Uh, um, have like you seen to. the documentary? I, no, I did. I did. Think of I was like um, I, sh- I should watch I, I know a lot of these have been films that are on my radar that I should watch anyway and I was like well this is as good as an excuse as any to watch some of them yeah and then didn't yeah proceeded to, <laughs> proceeded to uh, proceeded to not watch TV at all pretty much in the last week and a half and so haven't really had yeah. the opportunity I was like oh no I'm gonna watch because I love these films you know Paul Thomas Anderson's like my probably my favorite director. Of all he's time. your shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's your yeah, shit. Yeah, I was yeah. going to watch all of these. Didn't, didn't watch a single one. Um, <laughs> here's uh, here is something uh, that is interesting to me because of the yeah. nature of classical music, how it's written and how it's performed. This is the Johnny Greenwood episode. Johnny Greenwood not on a lot of these songs. How do you feel about that? Well, because yeah, he's, he's composed them. He's not playing. You mean. Yeah, yeah. He, he's the composer, but he's not the conductor. Nor does he physically yeah. play on all of them. Um, Even the ones that have got some ons, he's not busting out a bit of ons. Uh, th- there are. Uh, there's only one of those, isn't there? I think. Uh, well, I don't know. A few of them sounds like there's some ons, but I I might be wrong. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I don't think there was any ons, and I might be wrong. Uh, I'm no, going to have to go back to the amnesia episode and check, I suppose. Uh, he, he'll have played parts of them at some point, but classical music is not recorded with overdubs and pro tools. It's performed live by a certain orchestra with a certain conductor. You change the conductor, it sounds different. You change the players, it sounds different. What we're actually covering is the music as notated on the page uh, in some ways, but also film score. Music that is often written for commission with specific requirements in regards to tone and length. However, I say often, because that's not really the case, for Johnny Greenwood. Fuck's sake. We see the return of the fuck you credibility. Right. Um, and also... He goes, re-edit this scene. It needs to be about 34 seconds <laughs> yeah. longer, because my track yeah, is 34 I've seconds longer, actually. I've written. Yeah. Um, Johnny's selectivity when it comes to picking projects that he'll work on also comes into play, and also the habits that he picks up from his collaborators, which we will explore as we go. And the way we're going to do this is a little bit different to how we normally do things. I gave you a guys a playlist, which I think was about 15 pieces composed or performed by Johnny Greenwood. Um, it was roughly chronological with numerous pieces from some projects. We're going to talk about each project individually, using the pieces to then explore a little bit further. And that starts with the first thing that Johnny Greenwood did on his own. His first solo work, the soundtrack for the documentary film Body Song. And this is a track called Moon Trills. (laughs) 
this isn't the kind of classical music you usually listen to, or not strictly, no. <laughs> scary at the beginning <laughs> do, you know, do you know what word I'm going to use Adam do you know what I reckon it is a little bit uh, great sinister sinister mm. yes but then I think it becomes very beautiful Though, th- I mean look we talked about them too much in the last episode to be honest it does sound a bit like it sounds a bit like Radiohead they're, they're very Radiohead like <laughs> piano chords it reminded me a little yes, bit of Pyramid Song big time song, those right? piano yeah, chords yeah, yeah. yes Pyramid Song I, I knew there was a song in specific in specific mm. that I was uh, I thought it sounded like that is the one this would have yes. only been a couple of years after Pyramid Song well, as well he's just so. ripping himself off ripping off himself again the bloody <laughs> legend <laughs> so I'm aware <laughs> I'm aware this is a documentary about human life and the human condition that's all I know so therefore I these songs that we listen to, I've uh, imagined they're a part of the human body, and I think Moon Trills is about the brain. Um, do you know what? I couldn't tell you. This is actually the only other film I've not seen. I've just realised I forgot. I forgot this. <laughs> this it's got like, like <laughs> it's got calm, lovely sections, and also those anxiety sections that kind of bookend the the piece. Well, I I do um, know that it's the first piece of music in the film. Mm. Um, well, if it starts on the top. Maybe it starts at the head. Maybe it does. Yeah. I believe that it starts inside the body. It's it it's it's a f- it's a film by uh, Simon Pummel that tells the story of an archetypal human life using images taken from all around the world and the last one hundred years of cinema. So it's kind of like a a big eighty minute montage. There are images of like the inside of the body, of birth, of ritual celebration, and of war. And it was all edited to the music that Johnny Greenwood provided. So the music existed before the editing began. Okay, basically, it's kind of like sounds, a seventy-eight minute long music video in a way. Sounds very film student. Yeah, yeah, it is very, and it was obviously created in collaboration between the director and Johnny. But the film is cut to Johnny's rhythms and moods, um, and I suppose speaking of rhythms, Steve, you must have absolutely loved this next cut from Body Song, right? That's one word. It's called Convergence. Yeah. I mean, so it's purely percussion. It's quite polyrhythmic. I'm going to play a little bit from later on. It gets quite intense, actually. It's very polyrhythmic, with each piece of percussion playing in a different time signature. 
until somewhere in the middle, it all meets up into one cacophonous rhythm that's just boom, boom, boom. Yeah, and boom. it kind of freak, it kind of freaks you out a little bit because yeah. it's like it's suddenly it's like that clip that we've all seen of all the newscasters talking, and then suddenly they all say the same sentence because mm-hmm. we live in a dystopia. It's yeah. like that, but drums. It's yeah. like that, but drums. It's a very clever piece of composition, Steve. It must have at least kind of uh, been slightly alluring to you as a rhythmic of person. Course. Mm. It's, it's all it's all rhythm. It's all percussion. It's the most skeleton song I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll give Do you, you agree? That. Yeah, I'll give just you that. Yeah. Laying a load of bones, just <laughs> all bones. about. It's all bones, isn't it? This song owns bones. This song is. Uh, uh, big Johnny Greenwood energy in that it's like this sounds like exactly the sort of thing he'd love which is just get a load of musicians to do a load of business and have a bit of a jam like it kind of reminded me of the Junon thing because it's like m- give a load of musicians some stuff and let them jam and, and that's cool and he likes that you know yeah yeah it feels very it inter- feels very like not, not that interpretive what's the word when you make it up as you go along improvisatory Improvisational. It sounds really improvisational and just kind of like I said, improvisational. Just having a bit of a throw, having a bit of a cool jam together. Like it just, it feels like the sort of thing Johnny Greenwood would just get such a kick out of doing. I would put my money on him having recorded every part of this separately. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, I don't think it is a big group of uh, percussionists. I think it's just him. Especially if it's so regimented in all different time signatures, and then they all converge. I imagine it was really, really precisely made. Yeah, it must yeah. Be. Very, very I think you're really precisely made, mate. Thanks, man. That's how I've got this chiselled jaw. I find it quite intense. I find it quite hypnotic. Um, across all of the body song stuff, Johnny plays the piano, he plays the ondes on some parts, he plays the guitar, he gets the banjo out. You know, Radiohead don't let him get the banjo out, so he, he, you know, he does it for his solo stuff. That's for his um, cover of Mumford & Sons, isn't it? Yeah. He also gets his brother Colin to contribute some oh. bass and some programming to a few of those things. Um, off the back of that, Johnny composes his first concert work, Smear, which was premiered by the London Sinfonietta in March 2004. And then a couple of months after that, he was appointed composer-in-residence for the BBC Concert Orchestra. Um, And he held that position uh, until 2013. So nine years he was the uh, composer-in-residence for the BBC Concert Orchestra. Um, His first work for the BBC Concert Orchestra was in 2005 is when it was premiered, and it was called Popcorn Superhet Receiver. So we're going to hear a little bit of that.
can really sense Johnny's style very early on in this playlist we had. It's a lot of swelling strings and off-kilter droning, mm. notes that shouldn't really go together, and a f- feeling of unease and anxiety. Like, it's very pretty and very beautiful for a bit, and then it cuts out, and then you just kind of go... Uh, coming in at you and it's just a bit terrifying like the thx sound oh the end of an episode yes. of lost oh yeah sure uh, so th- so popcorn superhead receiver um i was kind of thinking yeah no the opening that is kind of more in line with kind of maybe some lucas kind of thing but then it gets it gets quite dissonant in there which is yeah, not yeah. very it, lucas based it's got bits of my thing and then in between all those lovely bits there's a lot of a minute and a half of dread yeah. yeah, yeah, and then it brings you back to some niceness, and then it will do another <laughs> yeah, into, some, yeah. into some dissonance and some weirdness and unnerving tones. So, yeah, it it's got hints of Lucas bait in it, but yeah. it's also got a lot of Lucas not bait. I so would, that- but I would if this came on, you know, on like a I was just listening to classical music shuffle or whatever. Yeah, yeah I'd sit and listen to it. Does it make it? Does it make the Lucas bait bits feel even more rewarding when you've kind of spent some time in the dread, and then you're like, ah, now we're out of the dread and into the Lucas bait. Maybe, but also it the dread bits then feel like uh like a not a punishment, but you know, like uh like they're some, ruining it, like, like, like something I've got to get through. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. something I've got to get through, and it's like, oh, and I know, nice I know stuff. that's not conducive to a nice music listening time, but very much the point. You know, nailed it. Understood the assignment. And Although this cool isn't stuff. this isn't a uh, for a cunt. film, is it? This isn't for a film, <laughs> is it? So it's not a it's not to a visual it's a con- thing. It's a concert work. Yeah, 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 it's just a concert work. It's not a. It had to be like that because that's what the scene required. Situation. Yeah, um, that's just what you felt like doing. <laughs> it um, it directly correlates to his experience mixing the car-based cassettes of his childhood with the background noise. His inspiration for this was the noise of static radios and the drone of the car as it moved. So it's classical music being invaded by these kind of other noises that don't blend with the music. It's quite a clever composition, actually, the way that that kind of fades in and out uh, as he was trying to remember the music in his head because his parents didn't want to play it anymore. An absolute um, maniac. I know, right? Uh, obviously hugely influenced by Penderecki as well. He wrote it by recording himself playing every available note on the viola, and then he used Pro Tools to configure all of those notes into a piece on 36 separate tracks and manipulated the attack, the release, the dynamic of each part until he had the full piece, which is about 20 minutes long. Um, once he had the piece as a complete recording, he then transcribed it using pen and paper. Uh which is quite interesting, I think. The fact that he played it all himself is 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 very interesting. Um, it's quite a dark piece, right? Yeah. It's quite unnerving with these little shafts of light that kind of pop through, I think. Um, it won the Radio 3 Listeners Award at the 2006 British Composer Awards. But uh, with stuff like Listeners Award... I wonder if it was voted for online, and I wonder how many Radiohead fans voted for that yeah, just because yeah. it's Johnny Greenwood. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Not yeah. to take anything away from him. He's incredibly accomplished, but I do wonder about things like that. Um, and now, here cometh the man. Please, all be upstanding for the arrival 
of Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, <laughs> who is currently Johnny's closest collaborator outside of Radiohead, I would say. He's he's an acclaimed filmmaker. We've all heard the name if we haven't heard, seen one of his films. Um, we, we have, though. We've all seen a Paul Thomas Anderson film, me probably more than others, because I've seen all of them. Because I'm everything. a little goblin. Um, <laughs> he got like his big break in Boogie Nights, Followed up with Magnolia and Punch Drunk Love. And he's a big music guy and he loves Radiohead. Uh, Radiohead work with him a lot these days as well. He did the music video for Daydreaming and you can see, I, I would have posted this on Twitter at some point actually, that video of uh, Tom and Johnny just hanging out playing guitar outside by a campfire. That's just Paul Thomas Anderson's back garden. They're like, hey, let's shoot that. Anyway, um, he saw Body Song in 2003 and was like blown away, literally like, raved about it and in 2005 or 2006 he's writing his next film based on the book oil um whilst writing he endlessly watches treasure of the sierra madre and he endlessly listens to popcorn super het receiver and he absolutely loves it to the point where he gets in touch with johnny and they start talking about johnny maybe scoring his next film which is eventually titled there will be blood so There Will Be Blood is Johnny's first real film score. Um, Johnny had reservations about doing it and thought about backing out. But Paul Thomas Anderson worked very closely with him and had this really nice like, collaborative approach. He was very enthusiastic and reassuring. And then Anderson gave Johnny a copy of the film when it was ready for scoring. And then three weeks later, Johnny returned to him with two hours of music that he had recorded at Abbey Road Studio. Um, and some of the music sounds like this. opinion quite haunting mm -hmm. uh very soft very gentle i think it sounds i don't know how much you know about there will be blood but i think that that piece of music sounds both period and modern and it's obviously a period piece the film um there's that 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 turn halfway through with the quickening of the piano really affects me a lot of this music makes me more emotional than a lot of pop music does, which is 
weird because when it's pop music you can then go oh it's because the song's about this or you know because etc chords and uh you know scales and all that stuff i don't understand any of that for classical music so i really can't put words to it there's a couple of Mm -hmm. on this i uh when i was listening to another song from this i think it's from the phantom thread uh soundtrack um just welled up a chord change don't know what that's about. Mm-hmm. Mate, you are literally <laughs> describing my relationship to music, which yeah, I think we talked yeah, about yeah. before, that I am much more likely to go, oh, that chord change, and it gives me the shivs, than a song making, singing about the past and making you know, the neck on Steve's neck, the, the hairs on Steve's body. All yeah. those sexy hairs. Yeah. When you listen to oh, music, yeah. it makes the hairs on Steve's neck stand yeah. up. Yeah, <laughs> it's not for me. Like so, yeah. so the whole thing about, oh, that song, mate, that, that song makes me think of, the, that time or that whatever that story or whatever nope but a beautiful chord change just one little second is all you need mm, oh yeah all over that that's 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 what i get out of music and classical music generally is does a better job at doing that than quote-unquote pop music yes uh this one's great this one's on mm. the going on the playlist it's lovely isn't it it's very slow very incidental it's quite incidental i think is a good way to put it like it's not dominating your attention almost sort of thing it's just there it's nice kind of would you like to hear something interesting it's the it's the opening of the film over the credits so it literally is the focus of the attention it's it's not but when it's played it's the only thing you can hear brilliant Mm. yeah but there is still the visuals yeah 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 Yeah, absolutely yeah it's when i'm guessing it's when some prospectors arrive oh maybe oh spoilers Spoiler. Was that the, was that what spoiled it for you? That it's the name the of the track. So I reckon it's when prospectors, <laughs> them year hard prospectors arrive. That's how they all talk as well. That's yeah. how yeah. they yeah. They all sound like yeah. the old prospector from Toy Story. Oh no, you, you made it sound like you were from West England. Um, <laughs> I, um, I drink your milkshake. I slap it up. Uh, yeah. I drink it up. Um, I am the third revelation. <laughs> what? <laughs> What? I've abandoned my child. Oh, is that from this? I've, I've abandoned, abandoned my, my boy. <laughs> is that from this film? The I've abandoned my child thing. Yeah, yeah. it is. I, I the, listening to this did make me want to watch There'll Be Blood more. Oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's always it's always you been know on it's my, my list. Favorite film, right? I know it's your favorite. Film. How yeah. much of that is the Johnny Greenwood bill? Very little. Oh. I mean, look, it's a the score, and you'll see when you see the film, it's a big part of the movie, and it's held in hugely high regard as well but um like paul thomas anderson was already on my radar from magnolia and uh punch drunk love and boogie nights so and this this is his masterpiece it's it's an incredible no, i think the master is probably his masterpiece that's the masterpiece yeah no, mm. i know yeah good this point. is the there will be blood point, piece actually. yeah you're right actually that's yeah yeah no you guys are right i don't know why we bother having any fucking intelligent conversations to be honest with you <laughs> right okay fine this this uh, it does sound like more uh i want to say classical i mean in terms of just it's very nice to listen to it's not dissonant guess- and weird Good point. Yes. <laughs> Good point. Steve. I guess to fit the fit the age though in which the movie's in, right? It's got piano and strings, and it's like there's still the odd section that sounds weird, but it's very sad, and the the movie's sad. Um, yeah, the movie is quite sad. Right, spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers. So the movie's like called There Will Be Blood. You moron. <laughs> um, the bit. The bit. Uh, there's a bit of piano at two forty five that sounds oh, exactly yeah. like a bit of piano from the Phantom Thread song that we'll do later on. Oh, I wonder same if composer, the same like, composer or anything. Let me have a composer. I wonder if he's reusing motifs. That is just classic Johnny Greenwood. 
<laughs> all over the also wouldn't you those uh, black and white keys the thing baby. about i don't know if have you seen the thing about the academy award for this my guy i'm about to get into this so this score it is what if i is, want to say it though well i'd probably got it i'd probably do it better wouldn't i ah uh, shit <laughs> it's probably probably true this score is often pointed to as one of the best film scores of all time. Uh, the level of talent in the band Radiohead is insane. Um, it's also incredibly influential. You can hear it in numerous scores that occur after it's released. And Hans Zimmer has said it influenced him for the score for The Dark Knight, which is another famous score. Um, Never heard of it. One critic, looking back on it, said it was a sonic explosion that reinvented what film music could be. That's hyperbole if ever i've heard it but it is a very <laughs> highly regarded uh film score and so you would think i would include more of it than just one track but i did because the previous two tracks convergence from body song and johnny's concert work popcorn super Hat receiver are both featured prominently in there will be blood um i believe popcorn super Hat receiver is one of the first things you hear in the film and the opening 20 minutes of the film are basically a silent film just set to Johnny's music. Um, But this means that, despite its praise and influence, because some of it was made up of previous work, it was ineligible for an Academy Award nomination. Sucker. Uh, Tom York was livid. Tom York, <laughs> not Johnny Greenwood. Tom, Tom yeah. York. Well, Johnny's got to be, you know, professional. And Tom was like, I just don't understand it. It's all just political. Like, I obviously the best score, and you know, all that the stuff. thing is, the stuff that isn't original for this, it's still written by him, though. It's not yeah, like I he's know. like, it's not like he's like pinched a song from like the it's, Jurassic it's Park not got a soundtrack. At least I went for a film score. You went for Foo Fighters. <laughs> well, they don't give awards for, like best soundtrack, do they? Yeah, I don't know. It makes sense. It's the same kind of thing that is like, oh, that song uh, is was written in 1996, so we can't use it for James Bond. You know, it's, it's that. It's that kind of. Sorry, thing. I'm imagining. I finished. <laughs> well, big, big spoilers because that's the last hey, line it's of not the film. Spoilers, mate. Hey, I didn't say it was. <laughs> that's true. Now Adam spoiled it. Yeah, I've spoiled it now. Yeah, well, um, yeah. And then it's from one Paul Thomas Anderson movie to the next because uh, Anderson asks him to score his next film, The Master. So uh, let's have a little listen to that. <laughs> Uh, it opens as very grand mm. and very commanding. The dun dun mm. dun, uh, 
but then evaporates into something a little more tonal. I picture like a, a, a an authority figure storming into the room. He right, okay. pushes the doors open. He storms. <laughs> he's probably in a uniform. Storms and dun dun dun. Okay. the king has entered the room or like the general or something i know it's about like a an ex-military guy so i'm picturing men in (laughs) uniforms i don't think you have a real handle on the tone of paul thomas anderson no no no. it's a dramatic man walks into the room yeah he's got loads of he's got loads of uh loads of what the things you wear medals and then what happens the joker comes in yeah because it, it suddenly gets terrifying uh, yeah, well, you get something that's approaching like quite a normal film score, and then it turns like a little mm-hmm. bit sour with like, yeah, yeah. All, and then it all gets a bit intense with those like cascading strings. The score yeah. in general is mixed with soundtrack cuts that are appropriate to the 1950s setting of the film, which all have very like soft, languid jazz vibes, like the Foo Fighters. Uh, and Johnny has to kind of. He has to kind of find an, an, in, an in-between with his score. And, and he does some more rhythmic things for montage scenes. But I've also picked one of the prettier things from the score, which is called The Sweetness of Freddy. So we'll have a little clip of that. dissonance at the end of the melody just scuffs mm, it up at just the end. a little bit at the end there yeah absolutely love it, isn't it? Absolutely. oh it's much softer but it's in the name isn't it oh because he's sweet yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So freddy i mean I, I from what i understand from the movie there's two very distinct characters that i imagine are very two opposite ends of the spectrum and these two songs are those guys right no let's spoil it i don't know i don't know anything about no, this i'm movie asking i'm saying to adam give, um, give uh that's I imagine, what i would say no. imagine freddy is sweet Okay. Uh, I mean, um, it might. It, uh, Freddy's dead. IMO. This is the one that I think spoiled the film daddy. for me. I reckon this is the last track on the soundtrack. I reckon Freddy's dead. And Freddy was a lovely man. Freddy was a lovely man, and he's dead. That and Sparks, I think, That's is the I first thing you hear in the film, and it's not the first thing on the soundtrack. The soundtracks aren't always sequenced in chronological order. Right. All right. I stand by it. Okay. Um, okay. I, I stand by but, it. See, e- either way. Uh, it's a spoiler if I tell you whether he is or isn't dead by the end, right? Yeah, I don't. So just don't yeah, say anything. Okay. I'm just saying okay. what I think, and I'll find out when I watch it, you know, yeah. one day. Lovely, though. This is on the playlist. Uh, it's a pretty incredible movie. Um, I I, th- I think it's the reason that Tom Cruise probably won't work with Paul Thomas Anderson again, <laughs> because it's 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 loosely based on the forming of Scientology. Um uh, okay. I, I think they're still I think they're still friends, but he did show Tom Cruise an early cut of the master and Cruise was like, Okay man, I mean you've got a bit of that wrong because it portrays, you know, the character Philip Seymour Hoffman is playing who is 
basically L. Ron Hubbard in everything except name. It portrays him as a charlatan taking advantage of people. Um, but yes, that is very beautiful and not even the most beautiful thing on, on our little playlist, I don't think. Um, no, but it's so like that one, that one's gone straight on the playlist because that is the sort of classical music that I will just lap up all day long. Just lovely, yeah. lovely, soft, beautiful, <laughs> or big, dramatic, ridiculous strings. Yeah. What? That's you oh, lapping, you lapping up. something up. <laughs> oh dear! Right. <laughs> uh, it's it's quite a divisive film in some ways, I think. Um, but the score is called Bold and Magnificent. Uh, incidentally, Johnny did also score Norwegian Wood, which we've played some of previously. And we need to talk about Kevin, directed by Lynn Ramsey. In between, there will be Blood and the Master. But that second one. It's either not commercially available at all or not available on Spotify. Can't do anything about it. Um, Shortly after composing the score for The Master, Johnny accepted a three-month residency with the Australian Chamber Orchestra where he composed a new concert work, Water, which we'll touch on in a slightly different guise later on. But anyway, back to Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, Johnny scores his next film, Inherent Vice. Uh, The soundtrack itself includes lots of 60s and 70s tracks, again, appropriate to the time period that it's set in. And that's the kind of mode that Johnny works in too. I picked this one for a specific reason. Let me know if you can remember it after we've listened to a bit. very much fits the, the tone of the film that sort of because it's like a it's like a stoner sort of, of you know it's yeah. a what's the word I'm, what's the word I'm looking for but it's also like it's a, it's a detective sort of mystery film yes and so although it's got that sort of it's this, it's you know, never I mean. clear what the mystery is <laughs> or what the answer to the mystery is. I don't remember the film particularly well. I remember liking it, but also it's a bit weird, right? It's a bit of a weird film. Oh, it's super weird. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's one yeah, of its weirder... Very... Uh, I remember liking it. So we we should be remembering this? Mm. Uh, okay. It's because we covered it on the Billie Eilish season. The spoken word is Billie Eilish. This is a Radiohead song. Oh, God. Uh, we saw them play it when we watched a bootleg of their 2006 tour. Um, it's always been an instrumental, but here he slowed it down into more of like a slacker, stoner rock what? groove, rather than the surf rock surf banger rock. that, it, that yes. it started as. Let's, now I'm going to play a little bit of the Radiohead version of Spooks from 2006. I don't think they ever actually recorded it. Here we go.
There you go. You can hear that main yeah. guitar part in in this yeah. version, can't you? Um, it's it. I think it's cool how Johnny can just morph into whatever the mood dictates. Mm. He's like, I've got something that's like that. Let me slow it down and uh, you know, really stoner rock it up. Would this not be eligible for an Academy Award because the song isn't truly original? Do you think? I don't think it's eligible for an Academy Award because it's not very good. But yeah, but uh, I, forget, <laughs> I'm just interested now about the like what the line is there because this is original, but the, I guess technically not because it's a song that existed that he played at a gig one time. I think they make the rules up as they as they go along. To be honest with you, mm. I think that's what I think. That's what I think. Uh, where do you land uh, on quotes from the movie being included on the soundtrack album? Not, not big, not big on. To be honest, yeah, I'm not big on it either. But so I, is that just a long uh, dialogue from the movie? Yeah, but, whose voice is it? That I'm hearing. Oh, oh, Joanna Newsom. Uh, and, and that might be wrong, and that might be wrong, but it's definitely uh, an alternative musician uh, from around that time. But, uh, like, I think it fits this kind of... It is Joanna Newsom, yeah. Um, it kind of fits the vibe of this song, because it's like a, almost like a noir film. To yeah, have, like, a hard-boiled kind of voiceover to it is quite cool. And also, it, the film is based on a book by Thomas Pynchon, and his prose is quite important to the whole vibe of the thing so she's basically actually reading from a book um yeah i I just included it because it's got the radiohead connection really i think it's very cool i think that the uh the voiceover really works for it as a song it seems like some sort of post-punk black country new road style conversational vocals over the top where (laughs) just kind of just yeah that's cool like black midi or something yeah 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 i like that um I mean, I mean, this isn't really classical, really, is it? No, it's score. It's film it's, score. It, yeah, it, this isn't. It's a, it's a, it's a Qatari, like you say, like stoner rock kind yeah. of detective vibe song. Yeah, it's yeah, not really. I, I mean, obviously, it's it's score, but it's not classical by any stretch, really. No, that's why this episode is called contemporary classical and film score, because that's... it's not all classical music, is or, it? Especially coming up, Johnny Greenwood. Um, <laughs> He he then goes off to make Junan and a moon-shaped pool. Uh, and in 2018, he contributes the score to two films. And we were actually we were just talking about him being able to morph styles and, and change, you know, tones and stuff. These are two drastically different scores uh, coming up, I would say. Um, the first is his fourth collaboration with Paul Thomas Anderson for the film Phantom Thread. This is House of Woodcock. Thank you. 
big TikTok song for a while. Is it really? Yeah. Really? What yeah. Was the, what was the meme? The, the, the trend was like um, people revealing where they were on holiday or like the view from their balcony. And so the phone would start like facing the floor. And with that big swell, they'd like reveal the mountains that they were staying next to or whatever. Yeah. Because it's such a lush kind of like huge kind of sweeping like he doesn't do sweeping very often but i would say this is sweeping this um, one's sweeping. i think i think it's oh, wonderful sweeping. Oh, it's love it's best best thing on the playlist i think it it's very very classical kind of 1940s style cinematic score that kind of very grand um i don't know what the movie's like um but that's that's a style it gives me it it really reminds me of of those kind of movies, I'm, I'm trying. Maybe forties is the wrong it's era. Fi- I mean, I mean, very specifically, he was tasked with. I did some reading. He was very specifically tasked with emulating the fifties. I believe. Add ten. That's all you got okay. to do, Steve. Add ten. You're close. Gotcha. Add it, ten. It, I think just add ten. It's it's the first time he goes full period. I think because the film is set in the fifties and it's set in fifties mm. England. Right. And sense. this sounds very English as well. It's so like. Although apparently he originally went even more sort of English, and it was almost a bit too folky. It's a bit too like classic English folk, and he went then for that more grand orchestral feel. Uh, they listened to a lot of the folk music that was kind of out around that time, and decided it wouldn't fit the vibe of the character, uh, and uh, went with this kind of thing instead. Although there was another attempt at it. Um, I think this sounds a bit like uh, Harry Patch. Yeah, uh, in terms bad. of it feeling very like English and pastoral, yes, it really does. Yeah, yeah. So the film is, from what I gather, about a dressmaker. Yep. In nineteen fifties England, mm-hmm. London. the The song is very like it evokes like beauty and like serenity and sort of like that sort of thing. I just picture, and I'm sure I'm wrong. The lead protagonist, uh, lead female protagonist. It's the first time she puts on some beautiful dress and she walks into a room and everyone's looking at her because she looks like the most beautiful thing in the world. You don't half watch some shite films, mate. <laughs> it sounds like that, though. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. I mean, I know that... Dramatic that's... military man bursts into a room. I know that's not the direction this goes in, but that's what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I'm sure it's, it's not a part of the film that's bad, that, that everything's bleak and terrible. Uh, I can't remember the exact. If it is, then that is some real, like, real, like contrast going on that they've gone for. This film really walks the line between the light and the dark. Um, I gather, I gather. Yes, yeah. Um, he listened to a lot of uh, Glenn Gould's Bach recordings and recorded the score with a sixty-piece orchestra, which he comprised from pieces of the Royal Philharmonic and the London Contemporary Orchestras. And he's worked with both of them before with Radiohead. And it was written in hotel rooms uh, and in public parks that Johnny was in as he toured a moon-shaped pool. And he would send Paul Thomas Anderson demos that he kind of recorded on his iPhone. And those initial sketches, and this is where the change-up is, Lucas, they were found to be too dark and the music kind of almost spoiled what was going to happen to the tone of the film as it goes on. Um, so he went away and he researched more sort of like light jazz records from the time period and wanted to compose something that was genuinely romantic with no hint of pastiche or irony. And I think he nailed it. 
the the first one that we picked from that is called House of Woodcock. It has that kind of sweeping romance that is present in the the heart the first half of the film, and then the next piece kind of mirrors the quiet but darker love of the second half. The uh, just just before we move on, this is the song with the instrument that is like a table. It's called a cymbalom. Oh right. And it literally just looks like a, it looks like a fucking table with some business on it or something. I don't know what but this is. Strings is, but it's or Pete what? Johnny Greenwood. Oh, absolutely. Is it? Is it a table with a cymbal on? Oh, it's quite good. Oh, God. It? It's quite good. But it looks like oh, it's a type of cordophone. Oh, cool. Yeah, just a cordophone. Yeah, we're all familiar with the cordophone, of course. Big Johnny Greenwood energy to have like found some weird instrument that none of us have heard of, and he just like finds a way to cool. make it usable. It does. It, it looks, it looks cool. like a table, though, doesn't it? It's just a yeah, coffee table. It does. <laughs> I guess that would have been used around the time. Um, this uh, this next cut is called Alma. music that we're playing um don't then that's that's one of my favorite pieces i think um it's it's very simple but it's very beautiful in its simplicity you know simple lines intertwining man exactly yeah exactly uh that that's the one that made me very very emotional well yeah because this it's really sad it just sounds really sad it does it's the main theme for the female protagonist in the film who puts on the dress Exactly. I believe she does put on a dress. I will tell sure you that. she does. I mean, it's a film about a dressmaker. You'd be disappointed if she And there's a female protagonist. She's putting on a dress at some point in that film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he orders a great breakfast in that film. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, it's yeah? absolutely incredible. It's just, I want that breakfast so bad. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I want to uh, see the film. I'm, I'm because of breakfast, um, that's the selling point yeah. there. It's, I want to yeah, see yeah, yeah. an image of a nice breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Genuinely, um, like... Uh, I uh, Paul Thomas Anderson suck his dick whatever Johnny Greenwood does the score because I don't really heard whatever Phantom Thread There Will Be Blood two of like my favourite films of all time Phantom Thread is so good it's also they are the the two times both of the times that Paul Thomas Anderson has worked with Daniel Day-Lewis who is obviously an incredible actor um, and also very selective in his work right yeah I mean he's retired now yeah well hasn't he unretired a couple of times no he'll come back Phantom Thread was his last role. 
Really? What? Yeah. Is it? I thought it was older than that. No, it's from. Well, I mean, we're doing this chronologically, mate. So, 2017, 2018. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah. Um, the score is very prominent in the film. It will not surprise you to learn. Um, the, oh. the film is two hours and ten minutes. <laughs> An hour and a half of it is scored. Um, and it is Johnny's first score to be nominated for an Academy Award. So he did. He got there in the end. He got Yay. there in the end. Tom's not so livid now. No, yeah, he's calmed down a bit now. The photos of Johnny Greenwood at the Oscars are very funny. Because <laughs> he looks awkward. <laughs> yes. Um, that same year, he scores Lynn Ramsey's You Were Never Really Here. Let's hear a bit of that. Different vibe to Phantom Thread, back isn't it? To, back to the creepy vibes and screechy, sinister <laughs> strings and dissonance. Also, it this this film's uh, got Joaquin in it, right? Yes. You were never really here. Yes. Is Another it a sequel film. to I'm Not Here? No, it's not. It's not a direct sequel to I'm Not Here. <laughs> it's not. It's not a twist. It's not I'm Not Here. You were never really here. Like you don't know until, <laughs> and it's like one of those. It's like it's like. Um, Split, where you don't know it's a sequel to an existing film until like the last five minutes. Until the it's last like, bit, yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> uh, great film, great film though, great film. Do watch. Real yeah, good. I should. Yeah, it's only like an hour and a half as well. Good shit. I love his use of strings as percussion, which we saw in like Burn the Witch. It's yes. almost like he's d- doing the lucky guitar thing as well. I know that's Ed, but plucking the strings above the neck and stuff like that just to kind of create a... Rhythm. It's really cool in that. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's tough to listen to, but it's, it's interesting. Well, I, I don't think the middle part is tough to listen to. Once the guitar comes in and you get this, like, can-style guitar-led groove and you get a bit of percussion, mm. I think it's the, the opening where the strings are gross and he uses that – he's using that stuttering guitar thing that he likes. Um, and, I, and I think a lot of this will have been Johnny – actually playing the parts and recording it like he would with Radiohead or like as a solo album, which which is perhaps potentially unsurprising because it's very much Johnny's shit, like on the next one where he goes full techno. That at once fucks oh. and is awful. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, it's, such a, it's such a 
great change of pace from the like screechy dissonance we just had. It's just like, oh yeah, just a synth song. But then you're in that you're in that drum beat and it's going along, and then it and then it just goes off and it syncopates, and then it suddenly goes, and then you're like, what? oh that okay okay that's the rhythm now, I guess. I, but it's is it not a drum so beat? Isn't it just someone randomly hits a drum every now and then at their leisure? I feel like it's two overlaying drum beats and one comes into the other. No, it's not. It merges over the top of one and it goes into it. Does it not? You're both right and you're both wrong. It is just one snare, but that snare is delayed by a beat each time until it comes back round to being on beat. Oh, so they delay it by a beat more every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it comes back round. Um, But yeah, it's, it's that syncopated rhythm. It's like... Uh, it just makes me laugh, like because it's, you're so in the and then you get this horrible like a there, But I think that's like the one of the best examples of that idea of like tension and resolve, like because you're so put off by the snare when it's when it's off, and then when it comes back round, you're then, back in. You know, yeah, actually, like, oh, yeah, good, yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, the other one from this uh, soundtrack, which again is a very different vibe to the other ones we've had so far, I included just because it seems like it might be Lucas's kind of shit. So this is this is tree synthesizers. That sounds like exactly your kind of thing. It reminded me of Hans Zimmer. Uh, yeah, no, I do really like that one. It's it's still got a bit of the sinister oh, thing, yeah. but mostly yeah. it's mostly it's kind of quite nice and ambient. It's one half of two songs because there's one called Tree Strings. It, it, it's the same song, but the other one's played on strings. Yeah, I don't know which one I prefer because I like strings. I'm a, yeah, I'm a sucker <laughs> for strings. I also quite like a synthesizer. I also quite like a synthesizer. Both also feature the both also feature the other. So I mean, you know, uh, you can have it all. You can have it all. Um, yeah, no, it is. It is. It's on the playlist. I mean, I've stuck on the playlist. So yeah, that's what I have in my notes. Is like, will Lucas prefer the stringness of it or the futuristic synthness of it? But luckily, yeah. Stick them both on. Only the two things could coalesce, and and I'd like both of those things combined. It's almost like that's something I respond to. <laughs> we'll never know. We'll never know. Also, just to go back to nausea for a second, but that is exactly the sort of if if way back before you'd heard loads of Johnny Greenwood soundtracks over the years. If back in the day that you've gone, oh, the guy from Radiohead's going to do a soundtrack. That's more what you'd expect to hear. A load of synths and a load of business. Not. Like piano and shit. That was beautiful. Yeah, it's good, wasn't it? And then Steve interrupted it by going, What can I say? No, no, I do like the tree synthesizers. I definitely do. And I also like tree strings. So sue me. Hello. 
just a quick bit to let you know that we have a Patreon you can subscribe to if you like what we're doing here and you want more of it. You probably already knew that. We don't stop going on about it. What you didn't know is that you can currently get a little free trial so you know exactly what you'd get as part of your subscription. You can head to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in the show notes to get your first seven days free. All you need to do is pick which tier you'd like a free trial of. The Biggest Mates tier is the one that has all the extras in it. And then for seven days, you are free to listen to any episode we've released in the last six months. You can cancel any time or just leave the subscription rolling if you like what you find. It's charged monthly. And during any month, as part of that Biggest Mates tier, you'll get ad-free episodes of this show every Monday. You'll get a brand new episode of our new Manic Street Preacher show every month. Two episodes every month of The Ultimate Playlist, our themed playlist show, where we talk about all kinds of different music, different artists, different genres, different eras, and one or two bonus episodes every month depending on the length of the month. That's two episodes every week. There's also other tiers to trial, one that is just the Manic Show and ad-free What Is Music episodes, and another that is just ad-free What Is Music episodes. But hey, if the first seven days are free, why not try a bit of everything? Plus, all tiers include access to the exclusive subscriber-only Discord where we discuss the shows, the bands we've covered, various music topics, and loads of other stuff, including some games that the friendly community have devised themselves. So head on over to our Patreon page now to claim your free seven-day trial. Go to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in our show notes. See you there. It's incredible, I think, that he made Phantom Thread and you were never really here at essentially the same time whilst playing with Radiohead on the tour for a moon-shaped pool, which, remember, Junun supported on, so he was playing twice a night. Yeah. What a mad bastard. Sounds like a Just take a day word. off, mate. <laughs> I know, mate, come Have on. a day off. I bet his day off, I bet his, uh, for him, a day off, though, is, like, spent, like, fucking really digging into an album or something like that you know it's he can't just yeah. like i bet oh, does he ever just sit and just like watch fucking towie uh he watches kirby enthusiasm that's the thing that he loves he loves uh he loves uh comedy in uh, in fact for um for the smile they they said we're not going to do any interviews there was only one interview that tom and johnny did because johnny insisted that they go on the smartless podcast because it's hosted by jason bateman and uh will mm-hmm. arnett and he loves them as comedians. Um, the year after those two scores, in 2019, he starts his own record label. Johnny does Octatonic Records. He wanted to release contemporary classical music by soloists and small groups that he had met whilst scoring films. Uh, he put a contraction of one of his pieces as one of the B-sides to one of those releases. The piece is called Three Miniatures from Water.
there's a there's a lovely droning noise that goes from ear to ear. A lovely yeah. droning noise. There's, it is, is a lovely a, droning noise. It really that might be me of, talking, Steve. Oh, it's that going from <laughs> ear to ear. It reminds me of the stuff in Jinan in a way where you, you you did describe it as a drone and um of that kind of that kind of no, that's that sound that's going throughout that. But then you've got the piano over the top. It is a bit spooky though. Um, it is slightly spooky. It does it's feel a spooky. bit spooky and it's thirteen minutes long. But that that is, that is an Eastern music drone yeah yeah, yeah. Yes. i think that's yeah. one of the things you know how you're saying like in the last episode i think we were looking at bits that people had like picked up from places the way that tom picked up the flute mm. from suspirium went i oh, will use that in the smile i think he picked that up from Junon and went i'm going to use it in this piece yeah. because it's it's not as prominent in the original piece it's beefed up a lot more in in this uh in the three miniatures from water um piano tinkles <laughs> Classic Johnny violin solo work, I mm-hmm. think. I, yeah, is the Jeunin sounding drone thing not a sitar or similar something? It like is. That? Yeah, yeah. It's some, yeah. It's whatever. It's not a sitar, is it? But it's whatever they would use. This we're not cut out for this. Actually, should we knock it on the end? No, no. Uh, it's whatever they would use to make that. Yeah, yeah. yeah it is. Yeah. Adam. Um, yeah. This song, at, for good chunks of it, is just very song. like ambient and incidental. Yeah, and Peace. just there, it's very sparse. I would say. Mm. It's 13 and a half minutes long. Yeah, it's a contraction. The original's about 20. Yeah, it's not a, it's not no, a song. It's just it? putting that on the playlist, though. I, I don't think I've ever listened to the whole thing. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's classical pieces of music, though. They are long. But, there's, you know? a, but there's, there's not much to it, is the thing. It's just kind of a lot of... Yes, it is. It's very ambient. He he composed it to approximate the effect of light shining through and refracting around a glass of water. What the fuck does that even mean? As a sense, I don't know. I do not get the the idea. You can kind of visualize how that would sound like a little ripple in a water, making light kind of bounce off it. Yes, I don't have sensation. Neither do I. I've just got an imagination. Nah, but but then, Lucas, you've you've been saying throughout this episode. I imagine this scene. Yeah, but that's it's much more. Thing, yeah, that's it? that's much more of a thing. I imagine a scene with like much more like detail. Not imagine if, a scene with water and rippling. That, that, that's that's. But also, uh, that's the opposite around. I'm hearing the music and saying, "Here's what I picture." He's picturing a thing, yeah, and saying, "Here's what I think it sounds like." It's literally the opposite. Yeah, but that's and the thing he's picturing similar, is like so incidental. Like I'm going to write a song based off the sound of the creak of a hinge of a door. Well, he often uses those kinds of jumping-off points for his compositions. His his 2019 concert work, Horror Vacui, is his attempt to emulate different kinds of digital reverb effects with a live orchestra. It's I mean, a, this is why he's a musician and I'm not. Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's a very interesting piece, actually, Horror Vacui. Um, in 2021, the film Spencer is released featuring a particularly demented score from Johnny Greenwood. Uh, the piece I've picked out is on harpsichord. Uh, it's the first ever use of harpsichord ever in history, right? I think so. It's the invention of it. Frantic in it. 
Is that a harpsichord? Yeah, oh. it is. That's why the track is called Invention for Harpsichord and Compression. If you want a psychological drama, get Johnny Greenman on it. Um, I had no idea he did the... the I, to be honest, I knew nothing about Spencer because I just sort of cast it off as that, oh, it's another, like, the crown, in it? It's like that kind of thing. It's supposed to be very interesting, right? Yeah. Got nominated yeah, for an yeah. Oscar. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. And I had no yeah. idea Johnny Green was attached was attached to it, so that's cool. Also, Steve, uh, not Steve, the other one, Adam. Adam, yeah. He's got your favourite uh, villain in it. Sean Harris. Is Sean Harris in it? Oh my God! Well, Sean, Harris. Sean Harris. Sean Harris. Uh, that is not how you're supposed to treat a harpsichord. To be honest, uh, it is. It's an experimentation in compression, so the reverb sounds as loud as the actual instrument. Like those stops at the beginning, it accentuates those stops, but with noise rather than silence. And like you said, yeah, it's it's like a psychological drama horror thing about Princess Diana. So he's going for something that is very regal, but also something that is very stressful and tense and unpleasant. Um, Elsewhere on the soundtrack, his basic approach was to create something befitting a princess that also showed the position that she was in, with no real care for it being period appropriate. So what he does is he mixes Baroque classical music with free jazz. Um, I'll give you a little taste. Uh, Delusion slash Miracle is, is, is a track. mad is that <laughs> yeah insane not my not my not my jam okay cool <laughs> um he contributed to three scores in 2021 all of which were written and recorded during the pandemic uh the score for spencer was grabbed in like bits and pieces as people were legally allowed to record together his fifth collaboration with paul thomas anderson for licorice pizza was about five minutes of music so not too taxing um However, he also provided the score for Jane Campion's Western, The Power of the Dog. So let's hear a little uh, piece from that. Thank you. 
The power of the dog is described as a psychological drama,、mm. like、mm-hmm. every single other film on this list. <laughs>、yeah. It's a it's a big genre. That that's where a lot of art films exist is in the psychological drama. Really, it's a movie about a rancher in the American West, and he made a song have galloping guitars. Perfect. That's good. I like that. Yeah, I mean th- this this is his first return to the western. He hadn't done a western since There Will Be Blood, right?、Um, but he he didn't want to do the sweeping strings thing, obviously. So he、yeah. searched for nineteen twenties music from Montana, and took inspiration from that. And he wanted something that was in keeping with the characters of the film. And one of the main characters plays a banjo. So out comes the banjo. We know he loves the banjo, don't we?、Um, but it didn't sound right to him. So initially, Steve, I thought it was a guitar as well on that track,、mm-hmm. um, but it's not. It's Johnny well, playing a cello in the same way that you would play a banjo. What is a cello but a big guitar? guitar. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.、Um, it's it's like that. It's it's a familiar sound, but it's slightly off. Because now, if you listen to it again, knowing it's a cello, you'll go, "Oh yeah, it's obviously a fucking cello right, played、okay. like a banjo."、Yeah. Um, Also, so much of this score, due to the pandemic, is just Johnny. Right.、Um, he couldn't get time with a full orchestra. He had one day with a viola quartet and another day with six cellos, but that was it. The rest is all Johnny multi-tracking himself, playing the cello and viola.、Uh, Johnny said, "I had to fake that completely with my cello by tuning all the strings one at a time." To every single pitch of the octatonic scale, there's about eighty cellos and violins. I just did it all on my own, like a lunatic. It's not quite right because it's me playing, and I'm slightly out of tune. It's a little wonky, but at the same time, it's got that orchestral width to it. Isn't that utterly insane? And yeah, just, I mean, yeah, you Johnny, describe Johnny Greenwood. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, like, absolutely, yeah. completely insane. Um, I like that piece though. It's kind of it's very similar to what he provided for There Will Be Blood and The Master. It's kind of like soft and it's sad and it's you know I think from these pieces you can see a Johnny Greenwood style emerging, right? For sure,、mm-hmm. absolutely、yeah. for sure. I mean, I would、Definitely. love to just to see what he did with it for him to just do like a fucking massive blockbuster, a Marvel movie. Just give yeah. him yeah. Yeah. <laughs> never no because no because Marvel they probably don't, they, they generally don't have very interesting music because they're very like. No, assembly、exactly. line.、Mission、something a、impossible. bit more. Something with a bit more prestige behind it. Yeah, you know. Yeah.、Uh, or a Nolan. Give him a Nolan. See what he does with that. He would do well with a Nolan. Well, he and he'd do the same thing, wouldn't he? <laughs> like, yeah. I, yeah, but a big, yeah. You know, Nolans mostly have a lot of big, though, don't they? Yeah, but you hire composers because of the thing that they do, right? So Johnny gets hired for these kind of films because he's good at writing for those kind of films. In the same way that Hans Zimmer gets hired for Nolan because he does the big. Yeah, sorry, but it'd be funny just, just to force him to go now. You got, you, we,、yeah. you got to do big on this one. Yeah, I want to hear Hans Zimmer's score for Inherent Vice. <laughs> you know, yeah, that would be good. <laughs>、um, th- yeah, this one again. It's not. You wouldn't describe it as classical so much, would you? It's again. It's score. It's largely it's banjo. I mean, it's banjo-based song.、Uh, cello, but with a, sorry, cello. Yeah, cello played but with, like a banjo, but with some like off kilter. That sort of is there some ons going on in this one? No, he's just very good at recording like strings with a lot of glissando. 
remind me what glissando is again. It's a word I'm familiar with. So where instead of going from, straight from one note to another, you slide between, you know, you do all the notes in between. Yes. That. Yes. That. Is it a good film? Anyone seen it? Again, nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, loved it. Incredible. It's good. Benedict yeah, Cumberbatch for a Western seems like a weird choice. So, I mean, look, it's a, it's a film scored by Johnny Greenwood, so there's a darkness to it, and he's very good at, uh, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch is very good at accessing those kind of dark places. Um, uh, it's, uh, I think it's great. I think it's great. It's not for everybody. It's very slow. It's an, it's more of an art house film than it is a blockbuster. But so are all of these films that we've talked about today. I reckon. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, anyway, also that year, whilst doing those three films, he's recording with the smile, uh, and then spends much of 2022 touring with them, working on their second album, and to bring it right up to date. To 2023, he announced in April 2023. That's very recently. That's very Mm -hmm. recent, isn't it? That he had recorded an album with the Israeli musician Dudu Tassar, which is called Jarek Kwarubak. And at the time of uh, recording, they have released a single called Ashufak Shay. Let's hear a little bit of it, guys. This is a little, I've not heard this. You've not heard it? So, yeah, little Adam exclusive. Ooh. This is going to be a first listen for me, and I'm only going to hear about a minute and a half of it, aren't I? Well, right, we so- could listen to the whole thing now, and you just only include a minute in the episode. It's quarter past 11. Right, off we go. <laughs> That's got to be Johnny on guitar, right? I thought you were about to say it's got to be Johnny on vocals then. (laughs) Oh, look at this. Mixed by Nigel Godrich as I live and breathe. (laughs) (laughs) Should I do one of those, like, react videos? (laughs) Oh, that's cool. Okay, interesting. I'm kind of into that. Uh, that was obviously... Uh, I was going to say, that's obviously Johnny on guitar, right? You guys heard me say that's uh, Johnny on guitar. Mm-hmm. Dudu Tassa on, on the guitar. Uh, Johnny played the bass, the piano, the synth, and the organ uh, on that song. Cool. So I was completely Great. off. Um, uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, but perhaps even more excitingly, having been living, living on an Italian farm for the last eight years, Johnny has finally been able to release his own line of olive oil. <laughs> Did you guys see this? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely I mean, incredible. I, I, honestly, I can finally rest. <laughs> yeah, I know. We were all like, when is the Johnny Greenwood olive oil coming out? My um, hope is that I can buy enough of it to bathe in it and then I'll absorb his talent. Oh, that would be that would be something, isn't it? Uh do you want um do you want a joke I've written down in my notes that I was gonna try and get away with off on, the cuff, but I don't yep. think it's gonna work? Yes, but uh yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So now Radiohead fans can say that they are extra virgin. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. It's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, right. it's probably not the reaction you wanted. <laughs> no, I hate that though. <laughs> okay, well, whatever. Uh, and hey, that's it. Uh, that is uh, an all too brief overview uh, of the orchestral and film score work of Johnny Greenwood. But thinking back to everything that we've just heard and listened to and discussed, was it music? Yes, and very different to what we usually music. And very different across the tracks, to be honest. Mm -hmm. How did you feel about talking about it? I thought we did okay. I think we did okay. Maybe we did a passable job. I mean, people have people have low expectations of us. I imagine that's true. Yeah, they're not going to come into this expecting high art. And that is also kind of it. It isn't it? A bit. Yeah, we've covered the solo work of every member of Radiohead: Tom, Phil, Ed. Johnny. Oh no. Hmm. Oh no. Hang on. Oh wait. Wait a second. I g- Colin. I so we should do all right. I guess okay. Next week we should probably Colin guess, Greenwood episode. Would you reckon? Guess next week. All right. Cool. <laughs> I would like to dedicate this episode to one of our Patreon subscribers at the biggest mates tier because that's just one of the perks that you can get by signing up to our Patreon. I'd like to dedicate it to... Imagine. TW. Now, I know who this is, but they've signed up with TW, and I don't know how much they want us to uh, reveal, but if I say the word Steve to that person, is that person going to know who I mean? TW, Steve, you, I've met you in real life. This episode is dedicated to you. (laughs) And while we're talking about our listeners, uh, can can I read an email? Yes. This is from Ellis, uh, who says, Hello, esteemed members of the podcast entitled What is Music? A music podcast about music. I have been listening to your podcast titled What is Music? A music podcast about music. And specifically, I have been listening to the season from your podcast, What is Music? A music podcast about music. Is it rad in your head? And I've decided to answer the question, is it rad in your head? And of course, I should clarify, I mean, is it rad in your head in regards to the band Radiohead, who coincidentally is being covered on the podcast entitled What is Music? A music podcast about music. Not in regards to the fourth season of your podcast, What is Music? A music podcast about music, which is called Is it rad in your head? And I've decided that the answer to the question, is it rad in your head? Is that yes, it is rad in my head. And of course, I mean, Radiohead is rad in my head, not the four seasons of your podcast. What is music? A music podcast about music, which is called it is rad in your head. I hope you have enjoyed my email about your podcast, which is called What is music? A music podcast about music. And my answer to the question, is it rad in your head? And to clarify, I mean, is it rad in your head in regards to the band Radiohead, not the four seasons of your podcast, which is called What is music? A music podcast about music. Well, thank you, Alice. It's good if, if everybody could send in whether or not they think uh you know, Radiohead is running your head, and we do mean Radiohead, not this season of our podcast, which is called What is Music, a music podcast about music. Uh, that would be great. That would be absolutely great, and that brings us to the end of another episode. Thank you so much for listening. Our next episode is out next Monday, and we will talk about Gol- Colin Greenwood, and I nearly called him Colin Greenwood. So come and join us for that. But before you do, come and let us know what you think of Gonny Greenwood's work outside of Radiohead. Uh, find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at What Is Music Pod, TikTok at What Is Music, and if you'd like to send something a little bit longer, like Ellis did, uh, maybe have us read it out on the show. You can email us whatismusicpod at gmail.com. And if you like what you heard here and thought, I'd like more of that, but I desperately want to pay for it, please 
do genuinely head over to our Patreon page where you will find all kinds of extra podcast shows. One where we revisit Manic Street Preachers, one where we explore all kinds of different artists, genres, eras to make themed playlists, bonus commentaries, music discussion episodes, ad-free episodes of this show, a really great Discord community, and a perpetual sense of being watched. Uh, you can head to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in the show notes for up to two podcast episodes every single week. Some of which really, really self-indulgent and uh, absolute bollocks to be honest and if that doesn't entice people i don't know what will but there are also other ways you can support us if you'd like to you could buy some of our merchandise over at whatismusicpod.redbubble.com or send us a little one-off donation over on coffee.com which is ko-fi.com slash what is music the best way to support us however is still what you're doing right now which is listening to us and you can rate the show you can subscribe to the show you can share it with your radiohead loving friends Make sure you hang around to see what the next season will be. Uh, That about does it. Thanks again for listening. But before you go, don't leave me high. Don't leave me. Bye. Farewell. See you later.